previously on Worlds Away. Well, I said the council was on the Republic's side, but Sadis, let's just say it's a house divided. Yesterday, it looks like someone tried to sabotage the main power reactor there, which also happens to run the pumps that keep the mines from flooding. This year, after our conversation in the mess, I went to go look up your publication history, and I discovered that your husband uh, passed away during the war. The war cost a lot of people their families. If you could have any book in the world, Leela, to put toward your collection, what would that first one be? So it's it's going to be, it's a pretty thin book, and it's on the cover, it's going to say Howl and Other Poems uh, by Allen Ginsberg. Do we think that there's some kind of standard Minerva Project uniform, or what's, what's everyone like wearing right now? I want there to be jackets. <laughs> okay. I do yeah. think there are, I was about to say the exact same thing. I don't think there are uniforms, yeah. I think there are jackets. I think Arno is not wearing that jacket and sees the three of you in there and is like, looks at you and is like, oh, you were serious about the jackets. I'm Herman Eastling. So nice to meet you for. And thank you so much, Sydney. And kind of nods at her. Of course, we were hoping it was under better circumstances, but I think I fairly speak for the people of Sadis when I say how good it is to have the Republic here again and showing what we can do when we work together. I should also introduce you to my colleague, Counselor Randall Lawrence, who is responsible for public safety here on Sadis. Is there anyone suspected of doing the sabotage or is that to be determined if there's anyone that's motivated enough to do something like this it's the folks who are upset with the direction that Sadis is going and who exactly is that are they pro-independence i suppose it was only a matter of time before you met the newest member of the council and, <laughs> and b- back out the window um standing near the front of the crowd we see a woman with light brown skin and bright metallic pink hair that goes just down to her shoulders. And as her gaze rises up to meet yours, we see her face change from what was a serious, determined look to slowly become a wide, glowing smirk. Welcome to Worlds Away, an actual play storytelling podcast. I'm your game master, John Ossip, and with me today, we've got Haley Daria. Hello. Lauren Wilbanks. Cat Daddy. Michael Morales. Hello. And Moshtara. Happy Barbenheimer. Thank you. You do know that these come out like weeks after we record them, right? He's living in the moment. I am. 
Yeah. I also said happy <laughs> pride during every pride session. I, 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 I did notice that. I was kind of hoping that you would just do happy pride every time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was kind of banking on that. Pride too. eternal. Um, happy wrath. Okay. Happy wrath. <laughs> <laughs> just pick a different uh, <laughs> seven deadly sin. Uh, Holy shit. Mm, oh, oh, live in sloth, God. folks. Live in sloth. <laughs> All right. Awesome. All right. So we're going to pick on that note. We're going to pick back up. What are we here to do? I think it's something. I'm going to find out in a minute. This is, uh, I've been derailed already. Um, mm-hmm. But we're going to pick back up kind of right where we left off. So to kind of recap, the four of you are on Satis, uh, standing in the council's private meeting room. And outside, we hear this kind of rhythmic murmur of protesters who are all chanting something that you can't quite hear. And everyone that's in the room with you now is looking out the window. Uh, and so to kind of go over the cast of characters here, there's Sydney Gladwell, who is the uh, special assistant to the council, and she has her hands over her mouth and a look that's kind of halfway between concerned and embarrassed. Uh, we have Randall Lawrence, who's the he- a counselor and the head of public safety, and he just has a kind of very slight snarl on his face. And then finally, we have Herman Eastling, who is the the council chair, and he, for his part, has has a tightly furrowed brow. And while he's standing in front of the window, it kind of looks like he's looking almost past everything and is deep in thought. But after a few seconds, um, his expression kind of softens, uh, and then he turns to address the group. I I want to apologize for this welcome. Needless to say, this was not what we intended. And while these people have a right to protest and to express themselves, I want to assure you that their views are not in line with the majority of status. But in any case, I think it's important that we remain calm here and figure out a way to resolve this situation without escalating it further. And when he says that, Randall Lawrence, uh, the, the public safety guy, he like scoffs and looks back, but then just goes returns to kind of staring at the window. Um, I think still better than being welcomed by guns. What are the <laughs> protesters chanting? Yeah, I so well, I, I guess like maybe I was going to originally say like it's hard to hear inside. But I think if Arno, if you're going up to the window to listen, I think you can make it out. And And maybe I'll turn it over to you all and ask, like, what do we think the anti-Minerva project or anti-Republic chants are like. Mo? Mo, you're our resident chanter. I'm working on it. <laughs> Give me a second. <laughs> uh, I'm a big fan of a hey, hey, ho, ho, Republic influence has got to go. Yeah. Okay, that's solid. that's like a that. classic one. Uh, I was trying to find <laughs> he something. He says that, with disdain in his voice. The Republic can suck a dick. The Republic can suck a dick. I oh. did have it written down like "Hey, hey, ho, Minerva Project has to go," but I, but I was like, "Eh, we can do better." If I turned it over to the group, I do want to. I was trying to find something that rhymed with puppet. The thing is, if you, if you, Ooh. Uh, fuck it. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, I you have to give me a second. I can make. I can get us a chant, but we should like. I just don't have one just yet. Okay. I feel like I feel like maybe just in getting the not that I don't want to spend the whole podcast thinking up the chant, but I think that that, you know, maybe for the Patreon, that'll be the, the content here. But um, I do think that 
uh, I like I like the idea of puppet. I feel like that's good to incorporate that and in, in something that's kind of maybe kinda... Arno just hears like the word puppet float out and he doesn't know the rest of the chant. You, you, it's puppet and then something that sounds like fuck it, but you don't know what it is. Oh, you know what? Uh, it's uh, it's it's puppet and then somewhere in there, like there's a a through line of like Evelyn Lee and puppet or something to that effect. Yeah. I think the sentiments that the council is the puppets also, if that makes oh, sense. Oh, okay. that it's like, so it's that not just the... directed at the Minerva project and us. It's also. Mm. Yeah. I, th- I think the sense that you get, and maybe this is a good, a good time to characterize what's what you're seeing out the window a little bit more, but it's I, the sentiment that you're getting is that this, this protest and what they're upset about is that the council is like bringing in the Minerva project and that you all are there and mm-hmm. that the direction of the leadership of Satis is aligning itself with the Republic and sort of signing up to return to a state of Republic puppetry. So Herman Eastling mentioned that this is like the definitely not the view of the majority of stasis uh, can or status, excuse me, mm-hmm. um, from our briefing coming into status. What's, yeah. what's the population of status or maybe even just this city? Yeah. Hmm. Am I am I I looking at this crowd and being like he's totally on the like this might be a minority or or is he just totally? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I I think that you know, I'm guessing of this city the population is like hundreds of thousands, right? So I Mm -hmm. think that you would see this as certainly there's not a majority of the city outside, right? I think that it's like maybe a hundred plus that you're seeing out the window. This Mm -hmm. is like a crowd that is large to like get people to get up and go to some event in the middle of the day and to sort of stand there holding these signs and chanting. Mm -hmm. But it it does not, I'll say that the the crowd outside, certainly they're not a a representational of a majority and it's Mm -hmm. not even necessarily big enough that you would think that there must be a huge groundswell of support for the position they're saying. Okay. So, so I think as this is happening, um, Herman Eastling kind of continues and he says, as Randall hinted at, it looks like Ruby Watson, one of our more outspoken counselors, is leading the crowd out there. It seems to me that she is hoping to create some kind of confrontation to show her standing up to us and to the Republic. But if we can get you out of the building without her noticing, then she'll be kept busy here while you can get on with your work. And to me, at least, that seems like the best course to keep things from getting out of hand and when he says that from the window randall lawrence without turning around he's just talking like looking straight out the window he says if they're blocking the walkways we should order them to disperse and herman Eastling says randall but then he gets cut off and uh lawrence continues and he says we have rules for a reason herman the people of Sadis do not agree with her do not agree with them And he kind of gestures outside. And our failure to stand up doesn't de-escalate things. It just makes us look weak. And again, this whole time, he's just kind of staring out the window. I think as soon as Leela hears, we have rules for a reason. Mm -hmm. She is going to (laughs) stiffen. That is like a trigger for her of just like... Maybe she came into this a little bit more neutral, but the second she hears that, she's just kind of watching him a lot more closely and kind of keep tracking his every word. Yeah. So um, I think kind of after a second, Herman turns to you all again, says, well, you all are our guests here and you are free to travel the city as you see fit. But for my part, I'd encourage you to take a cautious approach and avoid adding fuel to the fire. 
I think uh, at like at that last line, um, Mara will like kind of shoot a look at Arno. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and as you do that, you catch the wisp of a smile just coming off of his face. <laughs> and she'll like a very a very uh, genteel eye roll, but she'll go ahead and she'll say, "I'm sure that we." When all things are said and done, we our visit will here will be viewed as a benefit to all the people of Satis. For my part, I would appreciate an opportunity to take a, a second look at any surveillance uh, information that you have uh, vis-a-vis the incident. Perhaps my special expertise can be useful for sniffing out a trace that someone might have missed. Yeah, so I think when you say that, Herman Eastling, the the chair nods, and and he says, "We we can certainly arrange that. The records of the footage should be uh, held at the office of public safety." Excellent. And I think she then she'll turn to like the the rest of the group. So I, I kind of know what I, I would like Mara to do, but I don't yeah. know if now is when we want to have well, the conversation about. And and I guess maybe before we even get to that, so I I think kind of the first question in order of business, like right now you're all in this in this council hall, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think like if you're going to get out onto the into the city to investigate, I think there's kind of at least two options for how you get out of the building to do that. One is, uh, you know, I think what what Eastling is suggesting is that you kind of sneak out or that you you sort of try to get out of the building unnoticed. I think there could be a couple ways that that happens. Or there's going out the front door and kind of greeting the protesters where they are. And I think he's kind of letting you all decide what you want to do, though. I think he is a strong supporter of option one. And it seems like Randall Lawrence is more of a supporter of of option two or maybe like option three, where he kind of, you know, gets rid of the protesters somehow. Hmm. Um, so other than Mara, who has decided to go check out the surveillance footage, does there is there anything anyone else would like to do? And then, I mean, I don't think we all have to go out the same way necessarily, right? We could. Yeah. I'll just say I think Leela's interested in in having a conversation to learn more with um, the public safety guy, Lawrence. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, it's interesting. I am too. Oh, okay. I'm actually most interested in speaking with the councilwoman outside. So I actually, um, I wouldn't have a problem with like Mara and Nasir just straight up going out the front door. And like, if you wanted to come with me to take a look at the surveillance footage, we could also, you know, like do like a two, a two for one. Yeah. And maybe I think if you're like trying to figure out if you're trying to figure out like what you're going to do after you leave the building, right. I mean, I I'd kind of imagined like, oh, we get out of the, you get out of the building and then like figure out where you're going to disperse to. But if you're going to go out different ways, then maybe we should have that conversation now. Um, So like I pulled up the map and I I think we're already kind of having this discussion of, of what things you'd like to look into, but on the map I've put there, there are several points of interest already on the map, some that aren't on the map yet. And probably others that I haven't even thought of (laughs) for things that you want to look into, but just to go through what's already on the map. So we have the council hall, which is kind of where you are right now. Um, and in that plaza that's around it, that's where this uh, this kind of protest activity is beginning. Then we have the power reactor, which is sort of the crime scene. So that's where the sabotage uh, appears to have occurred. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's the public safety office, which is where Chair Eastling just said that the, the sort of CCTV footage would have been kept, or, or is at least there's a copy. 
then there's a location marked on there that's called the Barrows, which um, you, you wouldn't have this information yet, but this is kind of where like Ruby's office is and it's kind of a hotbed for of support for her. And then I have some storefronts. There's the landing pads where the ship landed. And then there are roads out of the city that lead to the mines and to the dam. So there's a lot of options here um, and, and kind of some more that are not shown and that, again, I probably haven't even thought of. But I do want to, as we're looking at this and as you're having this conversation, I want you to be kind of careful with your time and how you choose to split things up. Uh, one of my principles as the Space Master is that things are always happening in the background as we play. And uh, one of the ways I'll measure that is with something that's called strains. So each strain in Impulse Drive has a climax, which is something that will occur after a certain point, at least if the players don't stop it somehow. And uh, there's a fuse that kind of burns off as time passes in the game. Uh, and, and one of the ways I measure that is by thinking of like things that you're doing or scenes or roles that you're making uh, that kind of advance time in the story. Once that fuse burns all the way down, uh, the strain kind of reaches its conclusion and then something happens that might be outside of your control. Um, so in this case, that could mean another act of sabotage or maybe some other event that you haven't anticipated yet. Mm. Um, so as you're thinking about what to look into, my only advice on that is to think very carefully about like how you want to divide things up. Because um, on the one hand, there might be some advantages to looking at something as a group. Um, it's probably safer also. But on the other hand, you'd be giving up the ability to do multiple things at the same time. So just with that knowledge, now, if, if we want to have the conversation now of how you split things up, I'll, I'll turn that over to you. Um, so in terms of what we want to investigate, I don't feel like Leela has any particular interest in like going to the scene of the power reactor. Um, mm. but I would imagine that would be more like a, a, maybe an Arno or a Mara thing. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like of the things that there are to do, I think I'm most interested in kind of learning more about the political situation. So yeah, I might be interested to talk to like Sydney um, or the council chair or, um, the public safety guy. Yeah. So I was kind of thinking like we might split off and like, if the public safety office is where Lawrence works, then like, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm conscious of the fact that like, once we leave, it's not going to be easy to get back over here. Randall Lawrence is here now. He might not be here later. Uh, and yeah. so I just have like a couple of very like specific insights I'm trying to get on the, the situation. Um, and then I'm ready to go about yeah, just, I in investigating like the dam at that point or the reactor mm -hmm. i figured our conversations would happen right now and then our exploring yeah. would happen after the fact since all of the actors are like physically here right mm -hmm. so i guess my big question is like i've heard that lila wants to go to the public safety office mm -hmm. uh, and that mara wants to go to the public safety office i have not heard where arno wants to go and i'm still trying to figure out where i want to go I think it's probably going to be the Barrows if depending on the way this conversation that's about to happen goes, hmm. but it, maybe I sort of get all I need from this conversation. And then I would want to kind of check out the scene of the crime. Right. So like, that's sort of where my head's at is, is I think like I'm going to be heading to either the Barrows or the power reactor. And it's sort of hmm. dependent on how this conversation with Ruby goes. If all of us want to do some talking, like at this particular moment, maybe it makes sense to revisit where we go next after we've talked to everybody. Hmm. right like because we're gonna have more information mm -hmm. I, the person i want to talk to is ruby right like who's is standing outside with the crowd i'm about to go face the crowd right like that is my intention all right well maybe we should have that conversation because i guess like eastling definitely doesn't want you to do that you know but i think that it's up to you 
And I don't know how everybody else in the group feels about like, do you want to have that confrontation with the crowd or that interaction with the crowd? Uh, Councilman Eastling, what has got your people so antagonized? Ever since the armistice, there have been some members of the of the public here on Sadis that are resistant to the idea of unity and reunification with the Republic. This has always been a small minority of the residents here, but recently that minority has become more vocal. Lately, they've been most upset, if I can say that, uh, regarding our attempts at increased cooperation and better relationships with the Republic leading up to the vote. And it seems that the crowd here is using your presence as a touch point for reinvigorating that dispute. And how have you interacted with them and handled their frustrations? We've always been committed here to open dialogue and to uh, allowing even dissenting voices to be heard. They have made their case at our council meetings. And of course, Ruby is a member of the council and has been very vocal at that as well. Well, we've always heard them out and made our case as well. Um, Some people have been less easy to convince than others. I would very much like to speak to Councilwoman Ruby. I, I also, I think as I say that, I turn out away from facing Eastling directly and sort of mm-hmm. like look to the rest of the room and sort of open it up. Yeah. I also, I'd like to invoke one of my hooks here. Okay. Uh, which is that my past choices have cost me dearly. Uh, and so I try to push major decisions onto others. And so what I'm going to say is it may be beneficial for the Republic for people to see what the Minerva project is really about, but I can understand how that might be poking a hornet's nest and leave the decision to the room. Hmm. So I, I, I think that in response to that, Randall Lawrence sort of takes that opportunity to speak and he says, we've tried your calmer, more deferential approach, Herman, and they still seem to be just as upset as before. I think that making a strong case, not allowing the loudest voices to hijack the discussion is a good thing. But Herman Eastlane just kind of, he doesn't really say anything in response to that, but he just, you know, sort of looks concerned and shakes his head now. I think Leela's going to pull Nasir to the side and just ask. Last time we stood in front of a crowd that wasn't exactly pleased to see us. You froze up. Are you sure you're ready to face that protest out there? Might make more sense to gather some more information at this point a smile spreads across my face uh i think leela is good enough at reading people to see that it is a practiced smile not one of like joy um i am much more prepared to face people who dislike republic influence 
than I was to face the consulate. But I defer to the group on whether we should show our faces. I think um, Mara's going to kind of stand up straight and look Nasir straight on and say, the worst outcome in this situation would be to let our opposition craft a narrative for us. I say, we put our ideals out there and they'll speak for themselves. I have two votes in favor and two against. Lieutenant Heinz. Arno gives a nod. <laughs> when I see Arno nod, <laughs> I stand up straight. I literally brush my shoulders off and I walk out the front door. Yeah. So I, I think as you all head out, I mean, so let me ask this. Who's going with Nasir as you sort of walk out into the plaza? Is it all four of you going together to sort of show a collective like face of the Minerva project or? Oh, no, I'm still I'm not looking to. <laughs> I'm not going to let Nasir go out alone. I'm still skeptical. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, were you saying you were going to stay back though, or did I miss? Oh, I was going to stay back to talk to, uh, um, to, uh, to Randall Lawrence, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I, I think, I think that, um, in that case, you know, I think, I think as you walk out, I think we, the camera kind of stays back in the room and we see like Randall Lawrence, like smiling and Eastling looking upset. But you all walk out the front door and into this plaza. And, and I, I'd sort of describe this a little bit as a place where it almost like has this look of a highway interchange in some ways, because there are all these multiple levels of um, like elevated walkways that are kind of uh, making up the sidewalks of the streets of the city. And a lot of them kind of come and intersect in this one place. And the, the plaza itself extends out. Uh, quite a bit in front of the building, but the, you know, 100, 150 people in this crowd have all kind of advanced up to the entrance. And so when you walk out of the the sort of front door, these wide double doors, there, there's kind of no immediate way through the crowd, right? There's space in front of the of the building, but you'd have to pass through the crowd to get further away from the building. And as you walk out, we again see... Ruby Watson, who is this uh, uh, newest member of the council, as uh, Eastlane described her last episode. So she, again, has light brown skin um, and this bright pink metallic hair that just sort of like frames her face. And as you come out, she's kind of holding this megaphone and is addressing the crowd. And she says, here they are, everyone. Take a look at the kind friendly faces of Terran imperialism. Let me guess, you're all here to tell us about the great things that we can accomplish together just so long as we submit to the Republic. On the contrary, Councilwoman Watson, uh, I'm here to hear what you have to say. And I will uh, move away from any sort of platform or anything and sort of just stand at the front of the crowd. Oh wow! Okay, so you you go and you you walk into the crowd and face uh, face her. I do. Okay, what does what does Mara and Leela do? I think Mara will, like take a few steps forward as like you know backup, but I think that um like she's not trying to move in on Nasir's moment, just uh kind of uh, a, a show of show of support. 
Okay. I think we maybe cut back to inside the building. And I think that just as a little, I just, as a, like a one second kind of cut away, I think you do that. And I think that Randall Lawrence is standing next to you, Arno, and mm-hmm. says, what the hell is he doing? He found his nerve. Just watch. Okay. So back in the crowd, right? Ruby Watson kind of continues then is holding the megaphone. She says, you see how it starts small, everyone. Oh, someone tried to break the reactor. Oh, well, that must have been the independence movement, right? And instead of figuring things out for ourselves, let's bring in Earth to help. But every time we ask them to do something for us to make our decisions, we give up our agency. And even worse than that, we become complacent. We depend on someone else to do the thinking for us. And one day, eventually, we will wake up and realize that we are no longer thinking at all. And at this point, the crowd's kind of getting like riled up a little bit. What do you do, Nasir? I think I ask, what do you believe happened with the reactor? And I don't raise my voice. I just sort of say it the moment there's a lull in the cheering clear enough to be heard. And I, I look her dead in the eye. I, I'm like looking right at her. Yeah. Okay. She scoff, like kind of scoffs when you say that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and she says, I'm not here to make accusations that I can't back up, but there are plenty out here who have every reason to see those standing here accused of something they didn't do. Councilwoman, I've just heard you make an accusation against all of the people of Satis. I have never known any individual of the Verge to believe themselves to be thoughtless or a sheep. These are the people who took themselves across the stars to find new worlds. Are you accusing them of being unthinking? Okay, I think I want you to roll at this point something. Yeah. And I have a question. Yeah, God. Is it in some way? Hold on. When? Uh, no, I think. Never mind. I have nothing to add there. Well, let's see. So I, I want to kind of think about this big picture, right? right? So what? What are? What is your objective in this conversation? So eventually, I assume you want to be able to sort of just like get through the crowd and move on with what you're doing here but also kind of like like try to convince them of something like what what's your objective here I am trying to incite the crowd to the belief that Satis is a brilliant place mm-hmm. and that that is not separate from the, what the work of the Minerva project is and to mo- part for us essentially okay. and to be comfortable with us being like I'm trying to incite this crowd to okay. to like n- not give her what she wants right to like stop her from getting what she wants Okay so I feel like this might be like your signature move then. Crowd teaser. Um, yeah, yeah. So this is another one of the custom moves that we did for the icon. So crowd pleaser says, when you incite a crowd and attempt to either create a distraction, generate an obstacle, or aid someone in need, uh, discharge this move and roll plus slick. On a 10 plus, you inspire the crowd to action. Uh, and on a 7 to 9, you achieve your goal, but you have to choose one complication. So... I think, yeah, go ahead and discharge that and roll plus slick, and we're going to see what happens here. We're going to fucking find out. That's a seven. 
Is that, did you add your, your modifier to that though? Not to the roll. It's a seven with the modifier. My modifier is a plus two. Oh, five plus two. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Well that's, that's okay. That's a, that's a, I succeeded. Yeah. so yeah. So on a seven to nine, you achieve your goal, but you have to choose one. You mm-hmm. either draw unwanted attention or trouble. The crowd does something beyond your intentions or your performance was demanding. Suffer one stress. This is so interesting. Oh, I love I, it. Am I understanding the crowd does something beyond my intentions to mean that I have incited the crowd, but it has gone like into a greater degree than what I wanted? Is that what it I th- is? I think that that's one possible thing that could happen, <laughs> but it's but ultimately I'll I'll make that cause the as the I see what you're faster. saying. Okay. I think here oh, I'm going to say the crowd does something beyond your intentions. I think that's the I think that's Oh man. I think I've incited the crowd, right? Okay. Frenzy. Hmm. Ooh. Okay, so you say that, and I think, so Ruby responds to what you said, right? She And she says, far from it, the free-minded and independent citizens of Satis, the ones who are collected here and points to the crowd, have always maintained that independence of thought. But some, and she kind of gestures at the council hall, have given up their independent spirit. And that is what I'm here to stand against. Yeah, and then I want to hear your response to that. And then I'll say what happens with the crowd. It is a sad day indeed when a councilwoman of Cetus decides that only half of the people of her planet are hers. The people of the Verge are one people. The people of Cetus are one people. And it is unbecoming of you, councilwoman, to try to turn neighbor against neighbor and friend against friend. Yeah. Okay. So when you say that, right? I want to I want to be clear. Yeah, I want I'm invoking specific language like that I, we don't have, but like I am invoking language of the wars of the 21st century. Like yeah. what I am calling back to is that she is a warmonger, right? And yeah. that, like that I'm accusing her of fostering war. Well, he's saying this. What what's Mara and Leela doing? Uh, yeah, I think the, like, watching Nasir escalate is, like, slightly alarming, so I think that, um, like, Mara kind of maybe clasps her hands together and looks a little more rigid, but I, I don't, she doesn't shy back, she doesn't, like, fall away, she is absolutely, um, you know, standing by her man, friend, <laughs> yeah. co-worker, as, as it were, as it were. Respected colleague. Yes. Yeah. Associate. I think this whole time, um, especially once Nasir kind of started talking, I think Leela's definitely hung back and has kind of been more interested in like seeing what the crowd is like and trying to get a read on, you know, who are these people? Are they, you know, uh, like, like what's the makeup of this of this protest? Um, mm-hmm. and, and also, you know, trying to assess like, you know, are there other leaders here? Just kind of, I think she's more interested in like, not just, you know, what's happening in this moment, but like, what's, what's yeah. the, what's the kind of lay of the land. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't, that could be another role, but I think you're going to get an answer to some of that as a result of Nasir's mixed success right now. Okay. And so essentially like after, you deliver that rejoinder Nasir, right? 
Ruby just kind of like steps back to go into the crowd again. And she says, the people here know what true loyalty means and your false claim of unity holds no weight. And she walks into the crowd. But what starts to happen as a result of your words is that a division begins forming in the crowd itself. Right. And I don't think it like starts with Ruby. I think it starts with like, maybe you see like, Oh, somebody going and like turning to someone standing next to them and saying something. And Oh, maybe there's some nods, but then maybe one time there's like a very negative reaction. Right. (laughs) And this is kind of like percolating out throughout the crowd. And essentially what you see happening quite quickly is that the crowd starts to turn on itself, right? And become increasingly angry. So I think what you've achieved in this is like they are no longer focused on you. But what you have done is divided this crowd. And I think we just hear them start like the volume level increases. And I think maybe there's even some like punches that start to get thrown. right? Skirmishes. And I think what we see upstairs is Herman Eastling just kind of looks down and Randall Lawrence, who's standing next to you, Arno, just turns around and sort of walks away from the window. And, and we're definitely going to cut back to you. But but this happens. And now kind of while the crowd is distracted, you all have kind of free reign to to move out into the city. Yeah, I, th- I think at this point, just on the street, I think um, I think Mara is going to kind of hastily walk over to Nasir and be like, um, excellent points well made, but I think we should uh, vacate this uh, situation. I concur, Doctor. And we're going to move our asses out of there. Yeah. All right. So at this point, I want to, I feel like kind of Arno, I know that what you're doing right now, which is hanging back to talk to, to Randall Lawrence, right? But for the three of you, kind of where, where are you all heading uh, in the city now? I think I probably want to go check out the power reactor in the scene of the crime okay yeah mm-hmm. i think with your background that makes a lot of sense uh, yeah so i think i'm just gonna go i'm gonna go look into the power reactor and the city grid and anything else i can find at the scene of the crime um i can meet you all either back at the public safety office or back at the landing pads uh later this evening sounds good um I will head to the public safety office and see if there's anything that I can dig up. So I think Leela is going to go with Mara for now to try to understand what's going on with the footage. And okay. um, and then if we end up running into any of like Randall or um, or our special assistants, uh, Sydney, then... Um, then Leela might try to talk to them later. Okay, mm-hmm. that all makes sense. Yep. Um, okay. Well, as, as you two are heading there, was there any conversation that, that Mara and Leela wanted to have uh, on the way over there? Yeah, I, I think that... Uh, I, I think that Mara will just maybe, like, introduce the topic um, and be like, is that the way you would have chosen to handle the situation with the crowd? Uh, Lila's going to kind of scoff and be like, I wouldn't have gone into that crowd at all. That wasn't a situation I or really anyone could have controlled for very long. Mm. Yes, it 
It is a situation that seems successful on its face, but I'm afraid we can't possibly predict the ramifications of accusing our greatest opposition of warmongering, I suppose, at the the highest extent. I think this is a distraction from a distraction. Our stated mission is to find out what happened to the power reactor. And that's not even the true reason we're here. To get embroiled in a protest and a face-off in public is just... It's not quite what I had in mind. Um, so can you just like out of curiosity as we're walking around? Yeah. Um, are we to speak to the political situation? Are there flyers? Are there posters? Is there anything we're seeing or is it mainly like uh, yeah. th- this is an isolated thing that hasn't really spread into the like the visage of the town? Yeah, yeah. So I think I think what you get right, uh, like, so it's, I'm not going to speak to that directly. I think this is sure, sure. this is kind of good establishing shot, and maybe that's like where the scene ends, and we'll see this, and then I want to cut to maybe Arno. Yeah, sure, um, sure. But I, I think it's like you look around and you're looking to see, oh, what are the signs of this like division, right? But what I think you do see is like a lot of signs of orderliness. Right. Mm. And I think you see it's not like I don't want it to seem like oppressive or fascist. Right. But (laughs) I think I think what you see is if there's some mess on the street, it's like someone's there cleaning it up. Right. Mm. It's like, oh, if there's some kind of like something broke, there's someone there fixing it. And I think you see several examples of this kind of just as you're walking and and maybe kind of the the camera's like panning back as you're walking. We kind of see like quick shots of people like you know, mopping up some mess on the street or something, right? Yeah. And so I think, like, the takeaway to kind of answer your question is, like, sure. oh, to the extent that there were, like, flyers posted or, like, indications of this discontent, they might have been removed quickly if they were not put up according to, you know, status municipal code, right? Mm-hmm. So th- this but is not kind fascist. of... fascist. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, <laughs> the, the kind of, like, you know, again, I, and I don't want it to seem like you know, I, I think like Eastling was clear that like he would that he thought that they had a right to protest in the in the right, plaza. Yeah. Right. He just doesn't want to engage. And and it's like, oh, if we can sort of make the streets clean without conflict, like that's what he's yeah. all about. So, OK, so I think we cut to to Arno, um, you know, you're back in the in the council hall. And I think maybe like Eastling left at this point and Randall Lawrence is kind of sitting down at the table. Yeah. What, what did you want to ask him? So uh, I guess I'll just sit across from from uh, Lawrence at this point, and mm. I've got a look of expectation on my face, but I'm waiting for him to say something at this point. Yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. very much playing into like the the creepy Arno vibes at this point, just like kind of staring <laughs> and blinking. There's not really a lot going on. There's not anger. There's just kind of I guess expectation. Sup? Yeah, I think he he just kind of says so much for calming the crowd. When did I say he would calm the crowd? <laughs> I suppose you didn't, but well, even that was not exactly what I had in mind. It seemed to work for him, though. You were ready to subdue a crowd that you thought was going to be incited to violence. I'd say this is exactly what you expected. I tend to try to subdue the crowd before they're incited to violence, though. And that's true even when the victims of the violence are people that I wouldn't want to sit down to dinner with. Justification matters in these kinds of situations, wouldn't you agree? I certainly do. I would never propose anything that was 
not in accordance with our own rules and laws here. I can't say that this is exactly how he would have wanted it to go. If he could avoid it, everyone would have gone home happy and Councilwoman Watson would have just had the wind taken out of her sails and she would have walked away and we would all have all thanked him for the great job that he did. But it doesn't quite work that way all the time. Um, but uh, you seem to be ready for the violence. I imagine that means that there's something you're not telling us. And let me ask, like, ask. So, like, we we talked about last episode. Arno's not wearing the the jacket, right? What yeah. what is Arno wearing right now? His uniform. Oh, you're wearing the fleet. Okay, you're wearing oh, the yeah. fleet uniform. Okay, yeah. So I think he he says we've had disagreements in the past, but never something this intractable. And it seems clear to me that the vote is going to go a certain way, at least on this planet. And this group is going to be left losing. And I'm not sure that they're prepared to accept that. And while I'm not planning for violence, they seem all too willing to escalate. Just look at the reactor. And he kind of pauses for a second, but then says, you obviously served. Were you in the war? Yes. It must upset you to see that even with an outcome that was less than ideal for unity with this vote, that those on the losing side of the vote, at least here on Satis, are able to still hijack the debate. And one of those on the losing side on Earth, or Aventine, or anywhere else, everyone's going to have sore feelings, but I think I like it this way. There's no ambiguity. That is true. Well. Before you can get his, uh, gather his thoughts, actually. Yeah. So let me ask. Are you just naturally an angry person? <laughs> Wild. Um, hmm. Fucking Arno. What are you, what are you trying to get? So I, I want to kind of like interrogate this. What are you trying to get out of him when you ask that? He's just being fucking creepy. I, that's mostly it. Um, I think <laughs> I understand this man. Yeah, I um, I think what I'm trying to get at here is that I want to understand what kind of person uh, Randall Lawrence is because while he was upset that there was violence, he was ready to inflict on anybody else, and I think that that just speaks to his want for control and sort of his frustration that like people aren't doing what he says. Yeah. And I'm curious to see how he's going to respond to somebody who's like not behaving the way he says or doesn't quite like respect him. Oh yeah, uh, I want to push all this guy's buttons because like, yeah, he served like or he's his allegiance is with like the Republic. But is it really with the Republic or is it with power? And I'm just trying to like get the measure of who I'm dealing with. Yeah. OK. I'm trying to think if I want you to roll something here or not. Um, oh, I'm happy to. Yeah, maybe. go. I think it's I think it's actually scope it out, though, is yeah. what you're rolling. Okay. I think that makes sense too. It's like you're being calculating by saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I buy it. Um, big money. A nine. Okay. Mm. So, so scope it out when you take your time or your sensitive equipment, or I guess not really the second one, but his brain, uh, like his brain sensitive equipment in, in the dome uh, <laughs> to closely study an object situation or person role plus calculating um, on seven to nine. Your perception's a little dull and you can ask one from the list. Um, so it's, where's my best escape route way in, way past? Hmm. What should I be on the lookout for? What's my enemy's true position? Who yeah. or what here is not what they seem? Who's really in control here? 
how could I end this quickly? And who and what here could be a useful opportunity? Who or what here could be a useful opportunity? Mm. Okay. And if it's helpful for me to give you some context into like why I'm thinking that or what I'm yeah, going sure. for, happy to do that. Yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, I, um, I want to know in asking that question, if, and sizing this guy up, if he's actually in control of his own impulses, if he's somebody that can be relied on to act in a way, uh, it, to make good decisions and act in a, in a way that like won't blow up our spot over here. Oh, or if yeah. he's, if he's, uh, if he's a variable that I need to like take care of to make sure that like the mission goes well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like that a lot. Okay. So what you get from that, right? I think that he, you see like a split second of him, like looking upset at the fact that you asked this question. Right. Mm-hmm. But then, and I think that you don't expect this, but then his, his look kind of softens mm-hmm. and he says, I'm, disappointed that you felt you had to ask that but i suppose i understand i think that you've misinterpreted the situation so i grew up in in shanghai and while i don't exactly miss earth at least not in the way i used to i'll never forget the the feel of that place i don't know if it was the sound or just maybe even a feeling in the air but the sense of progress and community that is something that we are still working toward in the verge You wouldn't necessarily believe it, but Ruby actually grew up on Earth as well. I had always assumed that secessionists were all born in the verge, people who lost their connection with Earth, but it just goes to show you that once an idea starts to take hold. My goal on the council is to build the things here that I know that we can achieve, that humanity has achieved and will achieve even better in the future. And I understand that there are speed bumps along the way. It is not my intention to create more chaos or more violence. However, if those who oppose this vision, who want to take a course of isolationism, are willing to employ these tactics, I don't think that we should stand at the sidelines and let them do so. Even on Earth, there are those who support the secessionist movement but think that the only true freedom that can be found on the verge is the right to total self-determination. And maybe, maybe that's not a bad thing, but even the closest communities dealt with, and in most cases trampled on dissent. But the ones that lasted found a way to move past it. If you want Sadis to survive, you can't trample on every weed that breaks through the cracks. You have to find the balance, or you won't be the one sitting there making this decision for long. Hmm. Oof. And that's not a threat. That's not a that, that wasn't meant to come off as a threat, but it might because it's just Arnold no, no. being creepy. I, I think I think what we just see is him like kind of sit back in the chairs if he's thinking, and I think that's when we kind of cut away. So maybe the conversation goes on, maybe it doesn't, but Yeah. Hey there, it's Mike. Thank you so much for listening to Worlds Away. It's been an absolute blast making the show and inspiring so much future fanfiction. 
If you're enjoying Worlds Away so far, you can help us out by spreading the word to friends, family, and coworkers you corner at the water cooler. We're relying entirely on word of mouth to advertise, so this is the number one way to help support the show. And if you've already talked about us to everyone you know and want another way to support us, you can also rate and review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other platform you use to listen to podcasts. You can also give us a shout out on social media on most platforms at Worlds Away Pod or at our website, worldsawaypod.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the episode. So I think we cut to Tamara and Leela at the Office of Public Safety, right? Which is this uh, th- this other location on the map where you were told that you could find the CCTV footage. And a- as the protests die down, I think you get a communication from Sydney Gladwell, the special assistant, who says she's going to head over to meet you there and sort of uh, show you around and make sure that you're taken care of at this office. So just describing this this office, I mean, Office of Public Safety, maybe a little euphemistic name, but, but it seems to be some kind of combined law enforcement and emergency response office. The sort of portion of the building that is above the street level, so this is kind of where the elevated sidewalk uh, meets the front door, that part of the building is almost entirely glass, uh, and that arcs back into a kind of curved seashell shape. Inside, uh, as you walk in, the offices are also mostly glass, and uh, you're kind of led down some halls and into a, a waiting area. And after waiting there for kind of like three, five minutes, I think you see Sydney Gladwell walk in. She's definitely looking a little frazzled from the, the events that occurred earlier today, but she's kind of uh, collecting herself and trying to, to put on a strong face for when she, she meets the two of you. She says... Dr. Bolov, I understood that you wanted to look at the uh, security footage further. Yes, uh, please lead the way. So she she kind of leads you further into the into the building. And I think you get to a kind of like open floor plan area where there's a bunch of desks, kind of like the, the bullpen, I guess, in, in uh, mm. <laughs> police show lingo. And at one of the, the desks, she kind of leads you up to there's um, a woman sitting there who has pale skin brown eyes, kind of sharp features, and red hair that got, kind of goes just down to her chin. Um, she probably looks like she's in her like mid to late 20s. And she turns to you, Mar, and says, um, Constable Hill has agreed to uh, show you the CCTV system and will take care of any of your questions at this point. Excellent. Thank you for your time. Ms. Malik, was there anything that, that you wanted to look into while you're here? Sydney, if you, if you don't mind, could you... Uh... Show me around the building. Sure, I'd be happy to. And uh, yeah, here, follow me. And she kind of starts leading you away from the desk. So I want to I want to take care of Mara first, right? Yeah. So, okay. So I think um, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. just interject here, right? Like I might use like my signature move here, right? Expert. Okay. Um, so I, I am an expert. Um, one of my areas is engineering technology and devices. So, oh, yeah. In accordance with that, right, when I make a move covered by one of those things, uh, choose from a list, choose one or one more or one less. So that, like, I assume that is like we got to roll for something. Yeah. Again, like I would be trying to do some some pro hacker moves and yeah. see just if there's anything left over 
if like if I can't, you know, like recover yeah. the file, right, or any any um kind of yeah. fingerprints that might point me in a direction of like, oh, like the IP address is coming from here or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, no, that makes a lot of sense. I want to kind of like do the role first in this case, and then we'll yeah. play out the scene. Oh, of course, of so, course. So yeah, so go ahead and um roll, and and kind of this might take the form of like things you find on the computer or things that you get from from uh Constable Hill, this person. Of course. There. Yeah. Perfect. Um. So yeah. So go ahead and roll. Scope it out, and yes. we'll see what you get. Come on. Oh my God. Oh shit. Snake eyes. Oof. Well. Okay. Um, That's got to be worth double experience, right? Uh <laughs> this one. This one hurts, y'all. This. Damn. This one physically hurts me. Yeah. Okay. That's rough. Damn. Click that All XP. Right. Yeah, really. If you were gonna do a D, uh, like a, like a uh, space master thing and reveal some shit, I don't even. I was know. gonna do that. I was I, gonna do that. In fact, I I no, was no. just hoping for above a six. And the great thing about 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 is I always get to reveal things. It's just that it's just, you know whether good or bad, and this might be bad. So oh. okay, hold on. Well, but here's what I think happens. I think that so we see you sit down at the computer, right? And I th- I think you're kind of getting an explanation from Constable Hill about like what happened, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that she's explaining that okay, if someone was able to access the camera system from the reactor itself, like if someone was in there and kind of accessed the system, they could have deleted the the footage from there, right? Mm-hmm. But there should have been a log of that. And right. there isn't right. There's no indication of what the who the user was and kind of like how like what caused that deletion to occur. And that is very odd to her. And she can't figure this out. Right. And mm-hmm. I think you're going through the computer trying to find, oh, is there some like deleted log, some kind of ad- any like additional record of what it is that happened or what could right. have caused that. And I think as you're doing that. I think we just see this. So it's like I mentioned that there was this open room and I think we see a man is probably in his like late 30s. He has light brown skin, dark hair and is wearing a kind of like trench coat, I guess. And he's just walking through the um, like this is like in the background. Right. So I want to describe the shot is like we see like your face in the computer and it, it's kind of like the focus changes yeah. and we just see him like probably like 40 feet back from you look at you and then he picks up his slate and walks out of the room and is like going to talk into the slate and that's what we see and oh. now i'm gonna cut to leela so i i think i i was just imagining kind of walking around this building and I know you mentioned it kind of had an interesting shape so maybe in the back of your mind Lilo's just kind of picking up on some things and filing them away for for future paintings but um I think primarily I'm looking to kind of get some more information on the political situation and and just kind of get a lay of the land and like who are the players and and all that kind of stuff yeah people of interest yeah, I think I think we kind of get like the West Wing, like the walk and talk here for this, right? And you're kind of going around this building. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like 
I'm imagining like a lot of that the the glass that's on the walls is itself kind of curved at this angle. So not only is like the building itself like architecturally interesting, but you're also getting like really cool views out into the mm. rest of the city. Um and kind of seeing the like from this angle you can see a kind of like profile view of these multi-level sort of uh, again I, I keep saying like floating or hovering but again it's it's standing on the ground but it's like oh you don't really see the pillars from this angle you're just seeing like this uh mm-hmm. kind of almost like impossible shapes of these walkways and stairways that kind of go up into the sky and are are, are leading around are they the city kind of like cantilevered so they're like sticking out i think i think some are but again it's really the main emphasis is just that it's these like all of the structures and including the walkways in the city are, are raised off the ground. And so kind of seeing it in profile, it's almost like, um, like kind of, I don't, I want to say like a ball of yarn, but you're kind of seeing all of these like horizontal lines coming together to make a, a new shape that, that you wouldn't have seen sort of walking down one of the streets itself. Oh, interesting. So I kind of imagine Leela, you know, turning to, to Sydney and, and starting to ask, what what is what is the 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 council like and and kind of just having that conversation so i think as you're as you're walking past this um these windows and kind of you know we see this uh sort of profile view of the city in the in the background you're asking about the the council and the politics and um she's kind of giving a, a lot of background that mirrors what she had said when you first arrived and she was leading you up the stairs in the in the council hall and kind of emphasizing that Status has always been a place of unity and a place where even when there's political disagreement that people always kind of made their decision and then sort of united uh, forward on that path. And, you know, maybe there's at the time of a decision, a lot of dissension and and sort of strong opinions. But after a decision's made, that kind of political opinions coalesce and um, the sort of society and the council as well as a kind of subset of that are able to take a united front. But I think that kind of the center of gravity for this is Ruby, right? And I think that the conversation kind of turns to her. And and maybe that's kind of where we cut in on the, the conversation itself. But Cindy says, in in her early days on Satis, um, Ruby was a bit of a rising star here, actually. She got involved in politics, was elected chair of the Satis Youth League, uh, even attended some of the armistice talks and altered it. Chair Eastling had said it was only a matter of time uh, before she was elected to the the council. It's and, and she kind of blushes at this point. It's kind of embarrassing, but he always had said that one day the council was going to be Ruby, me, and um, the rest of a. And she kind of like does a voice a new generation of leaders. <laughs> After the the war, though, Ruby developed a curiosity for Aventine philosophy. She even attended a talk by Reeve Kasarek, one of the leaders of the Aventine Revolution. I didn't make the connection at the time, but a little over a year ago, pamphlets, and I mean actual paper pamphlets, started showing up all over the city. They were anonymous, but... A few months after they started to appear, someone tracked down the printer and Ruby was outed as the author. The board of the Youth League removed her as as chair. We didn't really have a choice, but she became a celebrity overnight. 
loved by the separatists and hated by almost everyone else. But based on this popularity, she stood for the council election three months ago. And well, none of the other separatists won, she was able to get just enough of the vote in the first round. So, I mean, everything you've said just sounds like someone who's ignited by the cause, but I, I was struck by how she called the council puppets. And I'm curious, are there are there decisions that have been votes that have been held or specific decisions that have been made that she considers, you know, against the interests of status? It's just such a such an interesting image to to, to draw upon. Every step that we take that promotes unity, that works toward going back to what we had before the war, that's what Ruby is railing against. The biggest thing that's on everyone's mind is this cooperation agreement with the Republic, trying to encourage more open dialogue, trade, support. The provisions of there are mild compared to what the relationship was prior to the war, really maintaining our independence in very strong terms. But between that and, frankly, the Minerva Project showing up, these are the kind of things that she's upset about. Anything that encourages people to see us as part of a collective. I think at this point, I'm kind of, I guess, I'll just speak out of character. I'm kind of struck by how Sydney seems really connected to this idea of unity. And that seems Mm. like the exact opposite of what she believes Ruby stands for. And so I'm kind of curious, is it clear? Can I tell her personal feelings about Ruby? And if if it's not apparent immediately, or like, I'm also like, you know, open to like rolling for it if it's if it's not. I, I feel like you don't have like I feel like this might be one that you don't have to roll for if you're just trying to mm-hmm. get her feelings. You know, mm-hmm. I think it comes across. Um, I'll put it this way. Like, this is what you're getting from the conversation, right? You get the sense that. I think there's a combination of like nostalgia and also I guess like embarrassment or shame or or disappointment even, right? And I think it's like you get the sense that there used to be a kind of that they that they they had a community, right? They had this sense of oh, these were the the young people that were getting involved and working to work toward a a sort of better future for Satis and then she views Ruby as having kind of betrayed that to advance some kind of other vision, right? Like, I, I think you get the sense that she thinks that that in in taking this kind of Aventine philosophy and this this pro-independent rhetoric that she was kind of corrupted by that in some way and, and lost what she was, the sort of direction she was going in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really interesting. So I think I'll ask Sydney... Chair Eastling said that Ruby represents a minority, a small minority of uh, of status. Is there data to back that up? What is what is your sense? How much of the planet agrees with Ruby, and and how much is still invested in that sense of unity? In terms of data, even the last election supports that. Well, she won her seat. She only got twenty three percent of the vote. Everybody else supported a pro-unity candidate. 23% is still one in four 
citizens. That's that's not nothing. It's not nothing, but as Cherry Sling said, as time goes on and a decision is made, Satis always finds a way to come together and take that path forward. Now, in the sort of lead up to the vote, I'm not surprised that she's been able to, using her rhetoric and her demonstrations, drum up some support, but I'm confident that that's fleeting. Once she got her seat on the council, she always viewed it as more of a a platform than anything else. She was censured three times, actually, for disrupting council meetings, but Chair Eastling stopped an effort to remove her from her seat. I'm, I don't know if I understand it, but I'm guessing he still feels protective of her in some way. But I'm not sure that her focus is on the council at all anymore. Not sure that it ever was. For her, it's just all about the vote. Um, okay. I think at, at this point, I'm going to turn the conversation to the the sabotage at the reactor and just kind of say, so do you think Ruby's actually responsible? Ruby or her league, are they responsible for the sabotage? It's just, uh, I can't tell if, if that's her style. She nods and I think kind of takes a second to think. But then she says, Ruby herself, I would be shocked if she was responsible for that. She's always been vocal about her opinions, even back in her days as chair of the Youth League, but that never went beyond vigorous participation in the political process. As for others in the separatist movement here, though, I mean, you saw what happened outside the council hall today. Is it really that much of a leap to go from that to engaging in an act of sabotage? Hmm. It just seems strange because the reactor would affect everyone that could have injured, could have caused deaths. Seems like a lot of effort to go to and, and and a large risk to take. I think what struck me about this is when you start thinking of things in terms of us versus them, is it really as hard to imagine doing something like that that could hurt someone that you view as your enemy? So I think at this point I want to cut to Nasir. And Nasir, you wanted to head to the reactor, correct? Yeah, that is correct. Oh, and I think I wanted to catch up with him. Okay. Ooh. Okay. So I think I think if that's the case, Mike. So I think I think we kind of described how the protests were dying down at the mm. at the council hall, and I think after things got violent, maybe it's like they're starting to kind of calm the plaza down, and if there's people who are throwing punches, at least try to move those people out of the crowd. But Nasir, I think you have a bit of a head start, and as you're heading toward the reactor, you're kind of walking through some of the the streets of of Lindis, the city on Satis, and seeing, I think, again, a bunch of these, it's like, again, the whole city is almost this, like, metal and glass, right? Hmm. Even the shorter buildings, like, things that in, in our time you'd expect to be, like, brick or some other construction. But as you're moving through the streets, you kind of end up passing through a collection of, of storefronts, and you actually see the 
um, sort of catch it out of the corner of your eye for a second. But you see a small shop with sort of large glass windows. And the windows have red curtains on the inside, which itself is kind of like striking as being a bit like different from the aesthetic of the rest of the the city and especially this place. Mm. But on the window, there's kind of gold lettering and a cursive font. And it says Faubourg, which is F-A-U-B-O-U-R-G. And this kind of rings a bell because of uh, Sean mentioned this place to you specifically somewhere to to pick up Canelay to these pastries. Uh, I will check the time uh, and then walk into the shop. Okay. So I I think when you open the door and this is like totally quaint for this time, but like a bell rings when you open the door. Right. And um, (laughs) you kind of walk in and there's a man behind the counter kind of looks up at you. Then when the bell rings and you walk through and the the counter itself is glass and is just kind of filled with pastries of of all shapes and sizes. And this this man behind the counter, he has sort of light skin but a, a slight tan to it, almost the very dark, almost black eyes, um, and sort of curly black hair that has I, I guess I'd say like a purposefully messy look. He looks like he's probably in his mid forties, and he he looks up and says, um, "Can I help you?" Uh. Hello, I am hoping to pick up some cannelay, uh, but also just looking around. Yeah, well, well, made a good choice. Let me get those together for you. Uh, how many did you want? Let's do a half dozen. Sure. I'm going to bet you'll be back, though, he says, and kind of smiles. I have a question. What is cannelay? Yeah, so they're these kind of... Um, like I get the way that they appear right is these small kind of almost like flower petal shaped cylinders they kind of have this like crust like outside crust and then the inside is kind of like very soft and fluffy right I think it's like typically like rum flavored or like rum and vanilla do I see anything else in the shop that's like catches my eye like by way of sweets or is it like strictly a cannelay shop no, no, there's a bunch of stuff. So I think it's kind of like what, like if you're looking for something and it's like vaguely French, I bet you'd find it here. So what, what are you, what are you kind of looking for? Oh, it, attitude. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm looking for attitude. Zing, sorry, French. <laughs> uh, I guess I mean like I'd probably grab like a uh, like a half dozen uh, macarons. Uh, yeah, I don't if if it's largely French pastries, then I'm I'm okay. Yeah, so I, I think I, I think he's got you're kind of picking them out and he's putting them in this in this box. And, and as he's doing that, he says, "Well, I, actually, let me ask you this: Are you like you're still wearing the Minerva Project jacket at this point? Correct? <laughs> I am. Yes. Oh okay, yeah, yeah. So I think he looks and and he kind of like takes notice and is like, you know, I didn't want to uh, <laughs> make a thing of this, but uh, can I ask how you you learned about us? We don't get many off-worlders here." Uh, Director Shaw on the Ascension Station uh, sends his regards. So I think like you say that and his his face kind of like he has this like look of recognition really quick and he says um, ho- hold on one, one second and he goes into the back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do I clock this as strange? 
Um, what are you what, like? What are you trying to do to clock this? Is strange. Yeah. So I think in my head, he asked us to come to a specific sweet shop. Yeah. Which is weird in and of itself because I know, as someone who lived in the Verge, that you don't like planet hop a lot even before the war right like it wasn't like everybody was just like skadoodling across planets yeah so like for him to have a even for him to have a favorite sweet shop on set status is itself like a little odd to me but this behavior is like very distinctly like wrong yeah uh so i think the first thing i do is like do a quick sweep of the room and then I'm going to wait for him to come back and I'm going to probably pepper him with questions. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, and I think just to, to call back to like what was said previously, Shaw had said that he had been here during the armistice negotiations and had spent a lot of time here for that purpose. So like, even though it is weird to be planet hopping, I think like that was the context for that. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, it's, it doesn't take very long. I think it takes like two minutes. Um, but after two minutes, he walks back out and he has, um, like he has another box with him, right? So I think he had like just an open box and was using kind of like tongs to put the pastries you're selecting into this box. And he walks out with a second box. And this box is like, it's, it looks like a gift box, right? It has like a little bow on the top um, and just looks a little bit more ornate and kind of a textured pattern on the outside of it. And I think says Faubourg like in this, in that same cursive font as the, the window. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of opens it up to show you and it has um a dozen candlelight in the box right and and he says that th- this is that first one's for you but this is for mr shaw and he kind of slides up across the counter i think at this point i'm just uh, very confused uh mm, and so yeah. i have a, this do you is like a question look confused i guess like before before i tell yeah. my face mo has a question for john yeah which sure. is like is this does it look like this is made with like genesynth crop or does this look like we have been like this is made with like flour and egg shipped from Earth? Oh, I guess maybe this is a Lauren question actually, which is like in terms of the the Jacinth crops, right? Like mm-hmm. I, you know, we talked about the Blapple, right? And oh, yeah. I think it's like the what how I saw the Blapple, but again, feel free to stop me if this is wrong. Is like the reason for this the Blapple's existence is one of like utility and and efficacy, yeah. right? It's like oh, this is something that can be grown here effectively and like get very good yield in even adverse circumstances yeah. and can like feed the verge in this way. But it's like maybe like I guess my question is, does that mean that there's not as many crops that you would easily grow on earth or just that they're kind of more expensive and harder to produce here. So what I, what I had imagined is there are like kind of waves, right. And there are these like kind of utility crops, right. Um, that, that show up first. Um, and then as there's like a, like a symbiotic relationship is like, as they grow the crops, you get more information and therefore we can like uh, some sort of like, um, uh, specialized, a highly specialized like wheat varietal is made yeah. to be grown in a verge planet, uh, and then also consumed by people without like causing ill effect. What yeah. I will say, um, and unfortunately, you like open this up for me. What I will say <laughs> is that I think that 
the availability of highly specialized like props like this and also to the point where you can run a successful business like with highly specialized like products kind of denotes in and of itself a like a, a strong relationship with like Earth and therefore yeah. Genesynth or Genesynth yeah. and therefore Earth. Oh, for um, sure. In that there is a like routine exchange of information and support that is like throughout these level of like, right, like Genesynth can't get crops across the universe without like a symbiotic relationship with the government. So what I'm understanding then yeah. is that either so I, I wouldn't be able to know right away, like, is this Genesynth or is this Earth crop? But I would no. be yeah. able to know from my experiences that either this is yeah. shipped from Earth or highly specialized Genesynth product. Yes. And yeah. it's exactly. either way very expensive and directly tied to the Republic or to yeah. Genesynth. I, okay. I would say I would say pretty closely. Yeah. yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I, and, and I love that because I think that that fits this setting of like yeah. A, one of the older colonies in the Verge. B, right. having that tight relationship with the Republic and sort of even throughout the war, yeah. like not sort of falling into the Aventine camp. So, yeah. Um, so may I ask, who is uh, Director Shaw to you? Mr. Shaw was my best customer. He was here several years back uh, when the armistice was being negotiated. Came in <laughs> almost every day. I don't know why he picked my shop out of the bunch, but yeah, I figured if he's going to send his, his friends or co-workers here, I should give him this as a sign of gratitude. And kind of like you get this sense of like genuine like warmness and and happiness from this guy. Oh, I'll make sure he knows. Uh, and if these are as good as you say they are, I'm sure I'll be back. And I just turn to leave the shop. Yeah, he just kind of nods. Um, and yeah, so I think yeah, you walk out. You have the box. Do do you just head directly to the reactor at this point, or do you do anything else? I, as soon as I step out of the shop, I open our half dozen and I pop one of these. <laughs> Yours? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good too. Yeah. Ooh, it's like, okay. just it like, sucks. yeah, no, no. <laughs> like just like the tech, like, I think it's like everything blends together really well. I think for Candelay, like one of the big things is this difference in texture, right? Where it's like, oh, the inside is like very different from the outside, but it just like works so well and, and has this kind of stark difference and, and really just, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a very positive experience for you. So, uh, I as I like walk through the market. By the time I am past a few stalls, I only have the one box. Oh yeah, okay, okay, yeah. I just have the shaw box. Okay, I like that. So yeah, we just see maybe the 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 shot of you walk away is just we see the like the uh, streetwise status recycling bin. We have the one empty box there. So okay, so I, th- I think. Um, you walk up, Arno, you make a, a sort of beeline to the reactor, uh, the power reactor, and you just see Nisir walking up with the box in, in his hand. Did you buy a gift for someone? Uh, it's Shaw's order. I picked it up. He ordered himself a gift box of... I didn't take him for the type. Uh, the shop owner was lovely. I'm. You should... What do you take of Shaw? I like I catch myself in the middle of my sentence realizing that he said that he didn't see Shaw as the type and mm. ju- it, I'm like wait Arno just shared something yeah <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> God, he- <laughs> I like <laughs> so I just stop mid sentence and start asking yeah oh uh, I think he sees himself as beyond this whatever this is or whatever this might be in any given situation 
he seems like the type to be beyond it. I don't know if he looks at the Minerva project as a vehicle of his own personal ambition or anything else, but um, whatever squabbles are happening in the verge, I, I don't think that he very much cares about the minutia and is very much just chasing his own idealistic view of what's right and what's wrong. But uh, I didn't take him to be the type to treat himself to such a luxurious looking gift. Bo- is that gold? Oh my God. <laughs> I'll have to write that in my notes. I think I raised like a single eyebrow at my notes, uh, but I don't say anything. Yeah. So I, I think at this point we kind of cut to you walking inside the, the reactor building, which kind of talking about the outside is this curved domed structure. It's getting kind of like lifted off the rocks below by a, a series of these metal stilts. But like those, the ones holding up this building are a lot thicker and and seem to be a lot more intricate than some of the others you've seen in the city. But inside the building, kind of, I think everything has a like a clean but industrial look. So there's just a lot of like pipes running overhead and stencil labels on the walls near the doors. And after you're greeted, you're kind of led through these hallways. And the person that's showing you around is using their slate to open and and access several of these large metal doors. And eventually you reach this kind of antechamber that has thick glass windows looking in on the main reactor. So today, like talking about like our world, a lot of the most promising fusion reactors are what's called tokamaks. And these are these kind of like donut shaped reactors. But I guess my question is 250 years in the future, do we think that they still look like that in some way, or is there some like totally different shape to this thing? I feel like there's got to be a new shape. I agree. I feel like the reactors are like Mobius strip. <laughs> Mobius strip is pretty advanced. I was actually going to go the opposite direction. And I was going to say like very <laughs> simplistic geometric shape, like pyramid <laughs> sphere. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. Something like something that like almost like a like an orb right like something very innocuous but like it's like oh look at how advanced it is we can yeah. go the other way i don't mind mobius i think <laughs> klein bo- interrupt your klein head. bottle klein bottle works not a oh what i don't know what that is klein bottle is a three-dimensional version of a mobius strip is the best oh, way to think okay about it. i'm unprepared for that a klein <laughs> bottle is a oh. uh, a one-sided three-dimensional object like i don't even know how to describe it it's It's a a three-dimensional object that has one singular side topographically topologically i'm just saying as the scientist i have never dragged you guys through as much bullshit as y'all just did so (laughs) i said sphere i said so so i think what it is then is it's like it's maybe it's a spherical shape but it's like like kind of like a geo is it geodesic solid is that like a thing where there's like yeah like a is that like a d20 also that just is <laughs> but like you know maybe, oh maybe, God, it is, yes. maybe it's literally it's a just a d20 fuck it's actually no no, no it's a it, it's a dodecahedron obviously <laughs> yeah okay that's what it is um we didn't have we only had d6s in this game so i had to bring it in somehow so okay yeah, so we have that, and I think there's a bunch of like kind of pipes like coming out of it, right? Or, or like things attached to this Wait, through the glass. Dodecahedron um, is twelve. Icosahedron. It's an icosahedron. Icosahedron. I apologize. Yeah. Um. So okay. So at this point, I, I want to know like what are you all doing to like investigate this, just kind of top level, so I can figure out what kind of roles we're gonna do here. 
Yeah, so Arno is uh, pretending to investigate. Arno has no fucking clue and no expertise here and is more okay. people watching than anything else to see for, like, which things are broken and not, like, what happened here? What was the sabotage going to do? No fucking clue. Yeah, None. yeah. Any, okay. like, little, like, escape routes or things left behind or... Yeah. Yeah. I have a pretty Got good it. idea of how to break and enter and, like, get out, and that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking at essentially like two things one is like who would come in here and service this and like what access they would use and like what Mm. ways in there are Uh, and then like two is i'm looking at like the energy output numbers and i'm just seeing if there's anything that like doesn't make sense right like if something's happening or if this has happened more than once or if there's been like like anything that would rouse suspicion right that would look different than powering a dam yeah. Okay. I like that. So, so here's, so I think what I want is I want this to end with you rolling scope it out Nasir, but I guess like, you know, and, and I think that some of those questions overlapped in some ways, it might be different ways of looking at it, but they kind of overlapped. So I'm wondering like Arno, like, I guess, did you want to roll lean on me and assist him in doing this? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Best friends. Yeah, so go ahead and roll, uh, in that case, plus stalwart. Okay. All right. That's an 11. Oh, rolling on fire, Mr. Hines. Lieutenant Hines. Awesome. Okay. I, I was like, I'm like, I'm trying to set us up for success here because after Lauren's uh, <laughs> failure ski earlier. Um, I, like, so. I have been triggered. I'm re-traumatized. Um, My bad. Um, so, okay. So when you support, lean on me. When you support a crew member's efforts in an action before they roll, well, plus stalwart on a 10 plus you're helpful and supportive and you can choose two. And so the options are, um, I, I think the two that apply here are kind of your efforts help them and they have advantage going forward. And also you aren't pushed to your limits or exposed to danger or complication for your efforts. So that sounds great. Um, yeah. So I, I think, um, so now go ahead and just oh, and, oh, oh. and can I, can I explain narratively yeah. how I'm helping? Oh yeah. Yeah. Please go. Yeah. Go for Rub it. Shoulders. Uh, I'm going to just take the box of the baked goods at this point and be like, I think you might be of more help here than I will. Oh, just hold it. That's all I do to help. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I like it. Fair enough. I might, I might add in that you helped in some other way as things happen, but yeah. Okay. But Mo, you got, and do you have a a modifier for uh, calculating? No, I do not. Okay. So you got a nine then. Is that, is that correct? If I'm reading that right. Okay, so for scope it out, so when you take time or use sensitive equipment to closely study an object, situation, or person, roll plus calculating, on out of 7 to 9, you can ask one question from the list. So so my question is going to be, what here is not what it seems? Okay. Mm, it's Arno. It's Arno, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Arno is actually really friendly. Um, but... He's just awkward. So you you had gotten this description very briefly of of what had happened here from randall lawrence who is the Mm -hmm. head of uh public safety and he had explained that there was this bleed valve um for the coolant system and and you're you're, you understand this this year as being something they can use to like drain the lines of the reactor for maintenance Mm -hmm. but this was cut off um and that caused the coolant to kind of like leak out and the pressure to fall and you're you're kind of seeing this all on the computer um system and and I think you go to like physically look at this right but as you're following the pipes back from the bleed valve you notice that there's an additional valve like a kind of emergency backup i guess 
that would have sealed up the system and would have restored power to the reactor just before something bad would have happened before it would have blown right and looking you're like looking at this and i think taking off the cover and kind of inspecting this and you see that several electrical cables that are attached to this this device have been cut and again this looks deliberate just like the other thing looked deliberate but as you're kind of looking at this and and tracing what's been cut you realize that several of the data cables have been cut and so to the reactor's computer it would appear that this valve was also broken but whoever did this seems to have missed the main power cable to this valve and because of that this valve would have still saved the reactor even if no one had been there to fix it. I question as mm-hmm. it stands right now if the va- if the other part of the reactor or the valve was the other valve was destroyed or messed yeah. up which it was yeah there would not be a meltdown. Correct. Even though it's the computer is reading this is down. Yeah, and what and somebody like Understood. people came and fixed it at the last second, right? But even if they hadn't come, it would have been okay. The computer just thought it was broken. Understood. And it seems like there was like a bunch of cables cut on this, and they missed the power cable. Uh, is is my interpretation here that like the computer also malfunctioned here in here in the situation, or is it the the computer's not malfunctioning? It's just reading it wrong. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it's it's cut in such a way as to give it okay. false data. Yeah. The implication is like everything here worked exactly the way it should have. It just didn't get the chance to work. Like they fixed it before it would have fixed itself. I am going to restore this back to the way it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I can I contact Leela and Mara from where we are. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I'm going to like put my finger to my ear. Uh, and just, um, Dr. Belova, Miss Malik, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Uh, in the surveillance footage, is all of the footage from the entire plant missing for the, the days in question? Was that revealed to us? I mean, I rolled so terribly. So all the footage from the day before, like the day before the incident was deleted. Of the of the entirety of the power reactor, not just like one room or something. Is that what you're asking, Mo? If you can get access to, uh, and I tell them like where I am in the in the like in the reactor area for a few days before, and just take a look to see if anyone comes down this corridor uh, and and interferes with the backup system, I I may have a lead, um, but I'm not entirely sure what it means just yet. Um, yeah, I, I think we'll give it a shot, but I, like, I don't expect to get kind of a second bite at the apple. Um, yeah, 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 fully. That was as, that was as much me communicating, by the way, that I might have a thing to the whole team. Mm-hmm. I, like I yeah. say, I looped Arno in on that okay. call. So, um, I don't know if we'll get another shot to find something, but if not, it's fine. Yeah. So while you're on this call though, right, you all start getting like a beeping on your phone that shows there was a message sent to you. Hmm. Okay. I check it. We all check out our slates. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, you see a message from Randall Lawrence and it says, there's been a development. Meet me back at the council hall. Thumbs up emoji. (laughs) 
a man of consistency. <laughs> I think uh, on the call, I'm going to say Mara and I are right across the street. We can get to him quickly. Arno, Nasir, if, if you have more investigating you need to do there, T- take your time. Don't want to miss any details. Agreed. Understood. Don't trust him. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, that I will like, that's all I will say on the line. Yeah. Okay. So, so just, to, okay. So let me ask this then. So Arno and Nasir, what are you, what are you doing? I grab Arno and ask him, Lieutenant Hines, would you mind uh, helping me with this? And I'll like pull him away from sort of anyone and out of earshot. And I will, while attempting to fiddle with something, explain like on a computer or whatever, explain exactly what I saw. And I'll say it's possible that whoever sabotaged the plant didn't know what they were doing. But it's also possible whoever sabotaged the plant never intended for there to be a meltdown. Just a public crisis. What's the goal there? Bring us here? Have an excuse to call us in? When there is a vote, people are often deceptive. <laughs> uh, and that's all, all I will say. Not and my I, democracy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, influencing the vote is like a really, as a perfectly valid reason to... to mm-hmm. Be a shitty piece of shit. So, <laughs> tell me how you really feel in this year. <laughs> That's how this yeah. year feels. <laughs> so I want to know. So where are you two going? Are you going to go back to the council hall? Or are you like staying here? Or are you doing something totally different? I have a crazy idea, Lieutenant Hines. I spoke with Doctor Belova and Miss Malik. Uh, and they are heading back to answer this call from the councilman. I believe we may be able to get more information from the opposition than from the council on our side. And I am suggesting that we go to the Barrows. That we, you and I, go to the Barrows? <laughs> Correct. That you wearing the Minerva project jacket and I wearing my fleet uniform go to the home of the opposition who don't much care for the fleet and believe our mission to be a propaganda mission that's meant to further make this planet reliant on the Republic. Go to the Barrows. My brow gets tense. That wouldn't really be much of a concern if you'd worn your jacket. Well, I'm not wearing it, and you are proposing that we go there, and uh, I don't think we have enough treats for everyone now, do we? <laughs> I just drank the box. <laughs> I could go alone, although I don't know how the fleet would take it if you let me die in the barrows. <laughs> Well, you know, probably a report. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so I think that's the scene. Like, you do go, right? Or, or oh, I'm going. Doing? Uh, <laughs> Whether or not Arno goes is up to Arno. Nasir is going to the Barrows. I think Arno remembers the violence that just happened over here and is just like, shit. All right. Yeah, I'm going to go. <laughs> okay. 
So, okay. So I, I want to cut back. Oh, yes. Okay. So I think we see Leela and Mara arrive back at the council hall, right? And as you're walking up to the building, like at this point, you notice that the, the crowd of protesters seems to have entirely dissipated. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. in its place, there are now like two different groups that you see outside the building. The first is what appear to be several news reporters setting up kind of like camera locations for like those like on site, like direct to camera reports. And also you might see a couple of people trying to speak to anyone who looks vaguely official there. The second group, and while they're not armed, is what are clearly a fair number of constables from the Office of Public Safety sort of positioned around the entrance to the council hall. And as you like approach the doors, I think like one of the, the officers seems to recognize you and kind of waves you inside and directs you up to the third floor, which is where you had met with those two counselors this morning. But as you're going up the stairs and kind of right as you're reaching the top, you see down like another hallway, Chair Eastling notice you and walk up to meet you. Um, and he says, I understand that Randall sent you the same message he sent me. I'm not sure what this is about exactly, but I do hope he hasn't done anything rash. I think Leela's going to raise an eyebrow and say, I wasn't aware that he could do something rash without the permission of the rest of the council. He shouldn't, but he does have a fair amount of authority within his responsibilities as director of public safety as well. And at this point, he kind of looks and says, Where, where's your two colleagues? I believe that they should be heading back shortly. They uh, finished their investigation at the power reactor. Hmm. Nothing particularly interesting to report. Unfortunate, but I'm sure that with enough time and persistence, we will get to the bottom of this. And at this point, I think you kind of pass through the doors back into the same, the kind of private meeting room that you were in before. And sort of sitting at the table and he stands up as you enter, you see Randall Lawrence. He says, thank you all for meeting me on such short notice. A few minutes ago, I ordered the arrest of Counselor Ruby Watson on suspicion of sabotaging the Lindus power reactor. Well, I'll leave this to the lawyers. Based on the risks that the sabotage caused, I believe that the evidence also supports charges of attempted murder. I mentioned that the security footage was deleted from our systems, and I understand that you've looked into this further. But just over an hour ago, a source that I trust, someone close to Ruby, sent me this. And he hands you a slate. And as you take that, he says, Well, it's surprising to see one of the separatists turn on their own. I'm guessing that this degree of violence was a bridge too far, even for them. On the slate at this point, we see video from what looks like a security camera in the hall outside of the reactor. And there's a date and time in the top corner of the screen that matches the period from when the security footage was deleted. And we are kind of cutting away between this and we see Nasir and Arno uh, sort of walking down the street. 
um, and, and with a line of like buildings and shops kind of on either side of you too. And, and I think the street is like otherwise largely empty. And back on the security footage, after a few moments, we see three figures start moving down the hallway. They're wearing dark clothes and they have hoods drawn up and over their heads. Back on the street, as the camera is kind of panning back and uh, Arno and Asira walking down, we see in the foreground a man wearing a dark trench coat, the same man who we saw before at the Office of Public Safety, who seems to be following you two. But on the security footage, the three figures, as they're about to leave the frame, there's a noise from off-camera. And as one of the three figures looks back, apparently to see what caused the noise, we can finally see her face, which is framed almost perfectly by her bright metallic pink hair. 